0: It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special,
1: Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average! I don't want to be around you! Why be around
2: average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially... In 310 days, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field.
1: Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the
0: team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hellers don't have to go away
2: Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO
1: Podcast. OH!
0: Oh, welcome to the OHIO Podcast, everybody, and as you can see... It's not just Chris and I today, we have a visitor. Sean Lane, former Buckeye, is with us tonight. Sean, thank you so much for being in. We're switching it up on everybody tonight. Usually the guest doesn't come to the second part of the show, but tonight you're, you're front and center right off the bat. Sean, thank you so much for being with us tonight.
2: Hey, man, I greatly appreciate the opportunity, man, that you guys even thought it was worth asking me to come on. I'm excited for tonight and to, to chop it up with you guys
0: hey we, we appreciate that so much and uh, we're really looking forward to it Sean so so here's how we're gonna do this tonight guys if you've got comments uh, feel free to just uh, put those comments down in the comments section we will or questions and we will share those with uh, Sean right off the bat we have uh, Timothy Parks from West Tennessee welcome into the house tonight Timothy I'm guessing by Sean smile do you guys know one another? I just seen it pop up. That was new for me. Oh, cool. All right. There we go. Our buddy always listening in, Larry Daniels, from down in sunny central Florida. Thank you so much, Larry, for popping in. And it's a holiday weekend, all of you. So for those of you who are watching live tonight, thank you so much. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. All right, Sean, let's start here. Give us your recruiting story. How did Sean Lane become a Buckeye? Oh,
2: man. It's actually a fairly unique, unique story. In a sense that um, you know, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. Went to Youngstown City School, uh, and I, I happened—I transferred to a school called Hubbard. Um, got there, had a good junior season. I think I ran for like twenty-one hundred yards or something, and a couple touchdowns. And I was in—I was in the school. I remember sitting in class, and I said, "Hey!" They come to my class and I say, "Hey, you got a visitor here." So I get up and look up, and it's Tim Spencer. <laughs> which uh, Tim Spencer was a running back coach. At that
0: yeah, time. running backs coach, yeah.
2: Yeah, and the strange thing, Tim Spencer, my dad played at Ohio State, uh, and Tim Spencer actually played with my dad when they were at Ohio State together. So it was, it was pretty cool uh, to, to meet Coach Spence, and we kind just of chopped, just chopped it up, really, and, and had some good conversation. He already knew my family, of course, and my grandparents and everything. And, uh, but to fast forward to there was a, a junior day, they had junior day at Ohio State, and it was uh, almost like right after they won a national championship in 2002. So the top juniors come up, and I'm in there. I'm feeling almost out of place. Like, you know, I, was, I felt like I was a good football player, but I wasn't really on the scene that much and wasn't getting all the notoriety as some of the guys. You know, you figured I had, you know, Marcus Freeman was in my class, Ted Ginn was in my class. You know, we had some guys that was that cabal, you know. So come up to uh, junior day. My high school coach actually brought me up because my mom had to work. Uh, And then Coach Trussell called me in the office, you know, and he just offered me a scholarship on the spot again my my junior year right after they won a national championship. So it was it was really a no brainer. Uh, I grew up watching, uh, of course, Ohio State football. My dad played at Ohio State, you know, and I watched when like Eddie George was on the scene. That's when I really fell in love with the the Buckeyes. You know, we didn't have cable. So anytime we got a chance to, you know, Saturdays was important. You know, you got no Ohio State, and then you watched No, It was crazy. Ohio State was the first school to offer me. And once they offered me, I just shut it down with everybody else. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even – I mean, I literally, I think Syracuse called the evening that I uh, committed. I tried to commit right when they offered me. And Coach Joseph said, no, we're going to see the president. You know, and we'll be back next week, and then we'll get back with you, so – it was a dream come true, so I, I wasn't even really interested in in looking anywhere else. I was the first commit of my class, and I stuck with it. And I knew that's where I was going.
0: That's that's awesome, Sean. I, I I'm a big trestle guy. I yeah. I just finished reading his book again, uh, the game plan or the uh, uh, the book that he put together. Yep. Um, of course, you know you know that book just about better than anybody because you lived that book. Absolutely. Give me a Trestle story, man. It can be a good one, a good memory. I I assume you probably still – do you still talk to Trest?
2: Oh, I'll tell you this about Coach Trestle. He has one of the best memories of anybody that I've probably ever met. Um, He can meet, and I kid you not, any of his players, and he'll tell you their parents' names, the high school they went to, probably how many touchdowns they had in high school. Like he he just knows it all. So anytime I hear him or see him – he already knows, hey, how's your mom doing? How's how's Danella doing? Like He remembers everybody's name, and that was something that Coach Trussell would always do. One of the tests we would take uh, in camp is uh, your teammates' names, what high school they went to, and what city they're from. And based off of who finished in the bottom half, had to run more gassers at the end of camp. So he, he made it a priority for us to get to know each other, get to know each other's name. But Back in my uh, back when I was at Ohio State, you know, Cuss Trussell was um, just a straightforward coach. He's probably one of the only coaches that I've met um, that wouldn't allow players to cuss. He wouldn't allow players to cuss on the field or coaches. He, he would say something, but at that time, when I, was, you know, young, and it seemed like every time I said something, he was always right behind me and would catch me. Hey, Sean, do your mom know you talk like that? I'm like, I'm sorry, coach <laughs> no, she don't but uh, he it's it, it transcends what what's going on now, like uh coach Trussell was really, and I can see it now that I'm older that he was looking to build men like that would go on beyond football. It was I mean we had John Maxwell come in and speak to us I mean and it's now I'm like, man that was John Maxwell, but then it's like, man, I'm just trying to play football coach, you know but you know, he really invested us a lot in a, a lot of habits and disciplines that was established during that time I still carry on in my life now. So, yep.
0: What is the most memorable thing from the winner's manual that you still think about, contemplate, or maybe even use today uh, that he instilled in you from that thing?
2: So the winner's manual, when we would get in there, the first thing we would do before camp, uh, before practice, is uh, quiet time, man. So it was... It was ten minutes, and whatever the topic was, whether it was gratitude, love, sacrifice, whatever the topic was, that there would be quotes, like four or five pages of quotes in there, and you just read through them. And again, it was a quick ten minutes, and then afterwards, he would allow players to share what spoke to them, you know, what spoke to their heart or what they really felt um, that they read. And I still something that I do now. I try to, I can. I can hold on to a quote, man. When I see it, like, oh man, that's good right there, you know, and just. Taking that time at the beginning of the day, and this is before we did anything football related. As soon as we walked in, that was the first thing we did in our team meeting. Uh, before we got to the to the X's and O's, you know, we was really investing in ourselves. Uh, so that 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 was probably one of the most memorable things uh, in regards to winners' man that we would we would uh, take part in.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. We've got a question here from a listener. Larry Daniels says, "Sean, uh, a favorite game or a player memory that you have."
2: Favorite game or player memory that I have. Uh, So I was there when we had the uh, Ohio State 1-Michigan 2 game. Um, So I remember that it was the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. Uh, It was rocking. And uh, if you remember early on, it looked like we was going to run away with it. Uh, We was putting it on them. Everything was working. And then I don't know how, some way or another – they end up crawling back into it, and it ended up being a very close game. Um, and that sent us to the national championship winning uh, that game. But that was probably one of my most memorable uh, games uh, being a part of. And then the crazy thing about that, the score forty-two thirty-nine, 42-39, it was a pick four that night in Ohio. I don't know if anybody remember that, but it was yep. actually 42-39 was the pick four. <laughs> I don't play the lottery, but it just popped up that same night. So, yeah.
1: I remember with good reason.
2: <laughs> I was gonna
0: say he would know. <laughs> there, we there we go. Oh my gosh. Uh Larry Daniels chimed in after that question. He says, It's amazing how Coach Tressel built men first, players second. It's so true. Like I, I, I read the winner's manual again just recently. It's still relevant. Mm-hmm. It is still relevant. And now, Sean, share with everybody what you're currently doing because I mean, I'm sure that what he, you know, how he what he instilled in you then you're using today.
2: Yes, yes. So now I'm actually a location pastor at a church here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, It's called Rock City Church. And, you know, we have four different locations, Whitehall, Hilliard, Polaris, and I oversee the uh, Short North Campus, uh, which is about maybe a mile from Ohio State. So I've really been involved. I've been here for uh, about two years in this position and really been involved with getting connected with the student body at Ohio State and, you know, just having a presence there to let them know there's so much more to life than just, you know, what college portrays, reading a book and, and going to parties, man. So it's been so encouraging and fulfilling in my current role of being able to invest and give back uh, to uh, Gen Z, if you will, is what I like to call, you know, the younger generations. Um and to see them really on fire for God, you know, it's, 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 it's unique. It's, uh, I, I recall when I was growing up, I went to church a lot going up, believe me, I went a whole lot, you know, I told, I told a joke, like when I got to college, I thought I had church credit, meaning I didn't have to go to church for a couple, <laughs> a couple weeks or a couple months because I went that much, man. But, you know, so, and, and I learned a lot about religion, you know, I learned about the rules that I had to follow and, you know, what not to do and what I should do and, you know, you need to pray this much time, and you don't need to say this, and you know. But I was missing the part about relationship, and it wasn't until really I got out of college that I understood the real importance of having a relationship with God as opposed to just following a religion, man. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I really enjoy the, the the opportunity that I currently have to just invest in people, man. People are so important, um, and you know, just they're valuable. So, I, again, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm currently doing.
0: That's fantastic man that's that's a great testimony we'd appreciate that Donald Hoffer uh, says what was your stance on Urban coming to Columbus after playing against him in 2006 Woo oh,
2: that's a great question man I probably I couldn't stand that man until until <laughs> I get you not but I remember that beat like it was yesterday man we were down there in Arizona and played against them. And right after that uh, fiesta ball, I went back to we the, went back to the hotel and went straight to sleep. Like, I was I was crushed, you know, after losing that first national championship. So I really couldn't stand him. Uh, but once he got to Ohio State, uh, I, I figured he would bring some success because he had success everywhere he was prior. I mean, what was that, Bowling Green first and Utah and then and Florida. And, you know, by the time he got to Ohio State, I mean, I can't stand this dude. But if he going to help us win – I'm a root for him. And that's what he brought to us. So I, you know, I root for him now. I'm a a fan of his now, but, before he got here, yeah, man, I, it wasn't probably too many good words coming out of my mouth talking about Urban Meyer.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! And you know what? If Urban were to see this, he'd probably smile and laugh. Not you right. know, <laughs> <He> <laughs> I'm sure would. he would. <laughs> oh shucks! All right, uh, Sean, I'm gonna before I let Chris ask the next question, I'm gonna let you share your testimony with everybody in case you don't know how Sean's career went. Man, he's got an incredible testimony about his career.
2: Yeah, man, I, and I'll try to make it brief for you guys, man. It, when I got to Ohio State, it was, it was a real uh, unique situation, uh, being that I wasn't really highly recruited. Uh, so I really, I really fought the feeling of not feeling like I belonged there. We had a thing back then called like JJ Huddle, and that was like the social media. That's when everybody talked, and I probably spent too much time on there, reading people's comments and taking it to heart. So when I got there, I felt like I really had something to prove uh, that I belonged there. So I, I worked my butt off. And then uh, my sophomore year, going into my, my – I redshirted my freshman year, going into my, my, my – red shirt and then my redshirt freshman year, going into camp, I was a number two at corner, right behind uh, Tyler Everett. And, you know, two weeks into camp, the coaches come to the room and say, hey, man, we, uh, we're we short on running back. We need you to switch to running back. Mm. So I'm like, okay. And it just so happened the guy behind me was a dude by the name of Malcolm Jenkins. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they switched me to running back uh, for the last week of camp. We go out. Uh, I forget who our first game was, but our second game we played against Texas. And uh, Vince Young was a quarterback. We played him at home. Tyler goes down the first quarter and gets hurt. Malcolm's starting for the rest of his career. And it was like, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was rough first experience in that and then later that year I was still playing special teams I tore my ACL at uh, Minnesota so I missed a, a good portion of that season and it takes time to come back from an ACL injury so by the time I really got back into playing and I was able to switch back to corner I didn't start like at the top of the depth chart I had to make my way back up so here I am third on the depth chart as a senior and you know just trying to make a make a um, impact any way I can or any way I could so uh, really threw myself all at special teams. That was an opportunity for me to get on the field. So, you know, to give my all. And, and then here we are at the uh, Fiesta Bowl playing against Texas. Colt McCoy is quarterback, quarterback, uh, 2000, 2009, January 5th, 2009. And uh, second, second quarter of the game, we kick off to them and I run down and I go to make a tackle. I make the tackle, but when I hit the guy, I just, um, you know, I felt this, It was a numbing sensation, and it was a loud hum that I'd never felt before. And I remember uh, one of my teammates, his name was Aaron Gett. He uh, was out of uh, Detroit, Michigan, picked me up to celebrate because I made the tackle. And I asked him, I said, Aaron, I said, where's my arm at? And he said, what? I said, where's my arm at? And he's like, yo, it's there, it's there. So he lays me back down. By this time, the training staff is running out. And I'm laying there on the field, man. I couldn't feel anything on my, on the right side of my body. My arm, couldn't move my arm or my leg just laying there. And uh, by the grace of God, my leg just started start twitching. And it came back to me while I was still laying on the field. Uh, but unfortunately, my arm never did. So um, I had to get rushed to the hospital and, and, you know, just going through all that process. And it was diagnosed that I had what's called a brachial plexus, injury which in essence is the nerves that go from your spinal cord to your arm to, you know, it sends the message from your brain to your arm. I have severed those nerves, so I can't get, I, my body can't get the message from the brain to my, from my brain to my arm. And it's the same injury that, I'm not sure if you guys know of Inky Johnson, uh, a motivational speaker now, it's me and him at the exact same injury. And I actually uh, spoke with Inky when I first had the injury. His was a year before mine's. Uh, but they put me in contact. Ohio State's training, uh, training staff put me in touch with him because they were good with Tennessee's training staff. And we talked a lot, and, you know, he was further along in a, in a recovery process. Uh, but nonetheless, it was it was still hard. Uh, it was still hard to go through. It's, it's still hard today. I never regained a movement of my right arm. So, again, that was January 5th, 2009, so I've really been having to uh, navigate life with one functioning arm Um but, you know, the, the, the positive side of that um, that I like to highlight, man, I've, I've been forced to think in many different ways, like simple stuff, like trying to get all the groceries in the house on, on one trip, you know, just you know, the creative stuff that you think of because you only have one arm. So I think that opened up my mind uh, to different avenues and I've been able to get involved uh, in, and contribute to different uh, movements and, and different projects. Uh, because I just see life differently, because I'm forced to, but, you know, I I can't take away from the light that it was hard, and and it still is hard. I'm not going like it's not, because I think what the hardest part is, the the nerve pain that comes with it. So that's something that you deal with all the time. Like, it it literally never goes away. Mm -hmm. It's worse sometimes than other, and I refuse to take any type of medication or anything. I've I've learned to just deal with it, Uh, but... You know, it was it was my story, you know, and I, and I, I share with uh, other people. i like, man, your story is not for you. So whatever happened to me is not for me. Uh, so I'm not doing my story any justice if I'm not sharing with somebody yeah. else in a hopes to let them know that, man, when it seems like everything that you worked for, everything that you built yourself up for, like that was my identity being a football player. And in the moment, it was all taken from me. In my very last game at Ohio State, you know, had dreams of – you know, being picked up in the NFL as a free agent or whatever, uh, but it was gone, you know, it, it, in just in just a moment. So living with that, um, but being, you know, being a beacon of hope to, to people that are going through stuff. And all of our – we all going through something. And nobody's situation is worse than anybody else's. Uh, we just have our own situations. But if I could just bring any sense of hope to people that, you know, as bad as it seems, you can still bounce back, man. And I'm—I think I'm doing so much better now. I, I feel like I'm doing now spiritual. I, I know spiritually for sure because uh, that was part of me really creating and 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 diving into my relationship with Christ due to that injury. I can't say that it would be the same if if it didn't happen. I wasn't—I wasn't out there crazy or anything. I didn't, you know, I, I would back then. I would drink, but I never did any drugs or anything. But I, I don't know. I can't honestly can't say where I would be now if this wasn't part part of my story. So uh, it really brought the best out of me. You know, strangely enough, it brought brought the best out in me. And it's hard to say I'm grateful for the situation that would happen. Um, but I'm grateful for the person I became uh, because of the situation.
0: I love that, man. Your story is not yours. It's for, you know, it's to share with someone else. Dude, that's 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 deep stuff. That's good preacher stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from one preacher to another. I like that. Yes, yeah. uh, hey, uh, this is pretty cool here. Chris, get ready with your question. But you got someone listening to you all the way from Australia. That's Matt Butcher. He's from Australia. Hey, lads, hope hey. all is doing well. That's pretty cool. There right? you go. That We're reaching all, all the way down in the southern hemisphere. Chris, what's, what kind of question you got for him, brother?
1: Well, first I got a question for you, Eric. I don't know why I can't see a thing about what's going on, but.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's because you logged back in after you got dropped off. I'll, I'll take care of that right now for you. Okay. But go ahead and ask your question.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Sean, you, you played with some tremendous, uh, tremendous players at Ohio state, obviously, you know, uh, you, you mentioned Marcus Freeman. Um, I believe, uh, Brian Hartline was actually there for a short time while you were there as well. Uh, you know, James Glorinitis, uh, I believe, may have crossed paths with you as well. Correct? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, what is your take? First of all, um, I, I guess first thing, wh- who was your favorite player to go against in practice? And second, is what would be your take on some of these guys uh, as they've entered the the coaching ranks in college football?
2: Yeah, so I think it'll be easier if I can substitute your question a little bit as who was the person I hated to go against the most. Sure. in most cases, that means that's the best player. So you had guys that like Santonio Holmes. Yes. Because um, I played corner, you know. So Santonio Holmes as a receiver, probably one of the most skilled receivers that i ever seen in regards to speed and the, his technique. And he just was uh, uh, artful at what he did uh Ted again, of course he just was yeah y- you were very limited keeping up with him if you didn't tackle the dude and get a pass interference he's probably running by you so the hope was that he was going to do a short route uh every time uh some of the most athletic guys that I uh played with and I only played with this guy for maybe one year or two and I seen him uh two weeks ago at a soccer game my, my daughters were playing soccer Bam Childress, I don't know if anybody, yeah, <laughs> but he was probably one of the most shiftiest, quickest, gifted players uh, that I played against him and Ray Small. They kind of remind me of each other in the way that they, uh, you know, the way they navigated the field. Um, but yeah, man, it, we, I mean, I mean, I played against a lot. I mean, Troy Smith was there uh, again. Ted Ginn, Malcolm Jenkins and I played, Malcolm was one year behind me, so I played, you know, yeah. four years, three years with Malcolm, and James Lourdes came in the same year as Malcolm Jenkins. So um, we had some Bernard Goldstons, and we came in the same year. So it, it was a lot of guys there, now that I look back. And uh, as far as the coaching, it doesn't surprise me that those guys are successful uh, in coaching. Uh, as you look at Ohio State, and what they're being taught. I understand why, not only because I was there, but why so many good players are coming out. Uh, because when I got there, the guys, the older guys, were the A.J. Hawks and Barbie Carpenter mm-hmm. and Slagos. So that that's who, when I came in and Marcus Freeman came in, that's who he was looking up to. And those guys, you know, excelled. Um, but what they did was they brought the young players, like, under their wing and, and made them do everything with them, like the extra workouts, they were all coming in doing those type of, uh, you know, additional things to improve their skills, and it just keeps continuing like that. So here you have AJ Hawk bringing in uh, James Laurinaitis and Marcus Freeman, and they walking through everything with them. And the same thing for the next wave of linebackers, young dudes, and they walking. So it's the same thing that keeps cycling over and over again, and you just learn this unique discipline, not only how to work out but how to watch film and to understand what the other team is doing. And it's the same thing with the DBs. I mean, when I got there, Dante Whitmer uh, was there. And this, these guys, I mean, it probably should, you shouldn't say now, but those guys will skip class to watch film. You know what I'm saying? They were that much into, you know, just knowing exactly what the other team was doing, just uh, students of the game. Uh, they still did good in class, but, you know, real students of the game. So, when you learn how to approach football from that standpoint, not just as not just the physical aspect of it, but the mental aspect of it, that translates right over into coaching, I believe, because now you can break down film, you can break down another team, and you can use the understanding that you have of being out there uh, to come together and create a game plan. So, again, I'm not su- surprised that those guys are having that level, level of success. Uh, and then, what you know, being under Coach Trussell and the – Unique focus on communication. Communication is key. And older I get, the more I know that. Um, but being able to speak and being able to relate and all that stuff, I think that's perfect reason example why you know Heartline, for example, is having a success he's having. Bringing all, I mean, you got 5 star receivers there, and other guys still want to come. Like it doesn't make sense, but it, it works. It works. So.
1: So what? What is kind of your take on? the state of college football right now, uh, you know, given the NIL, the transfer portal, you just mentioned 15 wide receivers that are five-star and, and more wanting to come. What What is your take on what's going on with the state of college football right now?
2: Um, it, It's fifty uh, fifty. 50-50. So, and I'll relate it to my own experience. You know, as far as the guys get money, I think that, I think that's very much necessary. I think the NCAA could have figured out a long time ago to where it didn't have to get to this point. Um, the amount of money that they bring in for a given game. And I think it was somebody telling me that, it, we, you know, one of the Ohio State-Michigans, I think they made $8 million in concessions at the concession stand. You know, they could have used that money and paid for every, you know, just. So the amount yeah. of money that was bringing, being brought in, I think, could have, should have went to some of the players. Um you know, if, and, and I think back to my story, for example. So when I got injured, um, I was done. I had, I had already graduated in December. The football, the game was in January, and it was my last game. So once I got injured, I was off scholarship, and I had no money. I had nothing coming in, and I had to get government assistance just to survive. O- Ohio State didn't have an insurance policy that paid me disability or anything like that. I literally had no income coming in, so – um thankfully my, she's my wife now but she was my, my girlfriend at the time she was working and supporting us I'm mm. trying to figure out how to live with you know one arm but I had no money I had no more money coming in um so being able to get paid at that time would have definitely helped me a lot in those particular situations and now and I also understand the sacrifice that those guys are giving, uh, uh and the what the potential that could happen out there you know and you know, making a million dollars playing football is not that attractive to me no more. <laughs> you know, it's it just not because it comes at a great price, man. So those guys in the NFL, thank God for them. They they they've reached that master level of football, but they are risking a lot every time they step on that field. So, um, yeah, I think the the NIL is it. Uh, they they probably need to get a little more control on it, for sure. I think it's it wild, wild west right now. Uh, who has the most money? Um, it's almost like, I don't know, I'm sure you guys remember, like when the NFL, the first pick quarterback would always get all this crazy money. So yeah, guys ain't throw one pass at the NFL that's getting paid more guys that won two Super Bowls. You know, and it's kind of like that, like until they get some type of grip on it, it's going to be the wild, wild west and, and throwing this money at these kids. And, and I think it, it, a positive thing is guys are not get suspended or coach not I get suspended for, you know, tattoos. Uh, and, and simple stuff like that because they made it pretty plain and clear when we were there if you get a cheeseburger because you're an athlete you're liable to get suspended like you were not allowed to get any benefits outside of that that a normal person would get you were you're were liable to get uh lose your scholarship so yeah
1: eric were you expecting something there
0: chris and i have had this argument for
2: <laughs> about that
0: very thing on this show, I don't know how many times. Oh shoot, Sean, you were you were a defensive back, man. I gotta ask this question. I know we're up against the clock, but I gotta ask this. As a former player, do you and maybe and maybe you can educate us a little bit on this? But it seems like the fan base a lot will will complain about a corner not turning his head, you know, to look for the football. Mm-hmm. Um. I know that that's not always the case. Like, you know, depending on the situation, maybe, you know, he plays through the play, through the football. But as a former player, do you ever say, man, get your head around? Like, does that ever
2: happen? Absolutely, man. Now, there's times where, again, there's different coverages. You got cover two, cover, you know, from zero to six. I mean, there's so many different coverages, and you ultimately have to play your responsibility. Uh, But there are times where guys should be getting their head around Um, cover zero for example which is the man under so your job is to stay underneath the uh, receiver it looks like man coverage but you got a safety over top so you can let him get past you you just kind of stay underneath so he doesn't do a you know a curl or anything so in those cases it's kind of harder to get your head around because you're trailing them purposefully Uh, so there there are different coverages um, where you're not going to get your head around you just going to play their hands you know and try to bat it down but you know the guys. You know, I love my Buckeyes, man, but the 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 DBs haven't been DBs lately. You know, I don't know
1: uh,
2: <laughs> you know, again, I no no shade <laughs> on them, man. But you know, even even watching the game, I think of my dad when he played on he is a DB too. So he would always call me like, "Dude, should be breaking long runs. You should have a DB back there that can run somebody down. I don't care if he's on the other side of the field, you know." And it just hasn't been happening. I mean. You see guys break off seventy yard runs here and there. We ain't even talking about the pass plays, uh, but yeah, man, I I think we have, and it's just my opinion. Again, I'm no expert. I'm just going from my experience. Uh, I think we have to play coverages that uh, highlight the skill of the players that we have. You know, we're not we're getting good recruits in, but it's not the same as the five star. We getting the top of the top receivers in there. You know, we're getting a few guys in there that, that are five stars as far as from a DB perspective, but something just ain't – ain't the math ain't mapping is the way I like to say it. <laughs> you know, and, and we just got to – I think we have to play more coverages that highlight our, our, our players' skills until they can master man-to-man. You know, if you're playing a cover three, then, yeah, you're going to give up the short routes. You're going to give up the slants. But you ain't going to get beat over the top. We were playing man coverage. Let me don't even get me started, man. I'm about to start talking about Michigan game, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> let me let me digress. <laughs> we got beat in the same coverage every time they beat us deep, man. I'll, I'll just throw that out there. But at some point, you have to adjust. Um, and yeah, the team that adjusts the quickest is normally the one that's successful. So I'm sorry, Dude, no, let's, I got a little mixed up. <laughs> that that I
0: love the see that's what I'm talking about right there I love the passion oh, my man. man hey yeah. Sean thank you so much for coming on man that yep. uh this has been a lot of fun let me throw this um, comment up to you from Larry from Florida he said very happy to hear you've adapted and adjusted to a very significant injury we celebrate your success Um Thanks, Larry. I, you know what? That's what's awesome about Buckeye Nation, man. We 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 love hard together, <laughs> which there means we, we which means we we really suffer on a Saturday <laughs> that don't go our way. Uh, we oh, want to blame everyone and everything under the moon, but uh, we 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 love hard together, and that's what makes us who we are. And I appreciate you being on and and celebrate. What, what god's done for you man that that that's awesome uh i just you. i praise thank the lord you. for that um we'll have you back on again so soon if that's all, all right. right
2: man it was great man i really enjoyed my time and I thank you guys again chris and eric for allowing me on your platform and to, and to share my story and uh what you guys are doing is great man and, and if anytime i can come and help in any capacity man just please let me know
0: sounds good sean thank you so much you have a good night
2: uh, you as well thank you gentlemen
0: all right, brother. Thank you so much, man. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition, mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit mastermind at onlinemastermind.com. Right, guys we changed it up on you a little bit tonight uh we had sean drop in on us first thing and uh that was fun man any cool oh yeah he is awesome he is, he is he's he's awesome an amazing guy.
1: story what yeah an amazing story.
0: yeah and you know i don't know what i would be i would i would hope and pray that if i were to go through something like he did i would have his type of uh, perseverance and mentality and courage that he has shown in his life, man, and just not letting anything get him down. He keep march. He keeps marching on, and and he. We didn't even get into the his family. His he's got a beautiful family. His daughter's mm-hmm. super athletic, you know. So there's there's a lot of good stuff, man, in his life. That's so cool. And so I hope we didn't uh, shake things up too much for all of you guys tonight. But uh, we got a whole other part of this show now, Chris. And I know you're hurting right now, man. My, my man's pulled a muscle in his back. He's hanging tough. That's why he's in a different location than what he uh, normally does. Um, oh, awesome comment here. Uh, Facebook user. I'd love to know who this Facebook user is. Obviously, they're watching on our, um, on our group page instead of the business page, which is why I can't tell who said it. But fabulous. This needs to be watched by many. So inspirational. I agree. I absolutely agree. Let me know who, who you are that made that comment.
1: You know, Eric, it really is amazing, especially, and no knock against any of the other coaches. But when you hear these guys come on who played under trestle, yeah, these guys are just so grounded, so humble, so such just strong, you know, base in their faith. You know, that I I mean, it's, it's not surprising to me that so many of these guys have become such great motivational speakers when they're talking to young kids. You know, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I spent some time with uh, Doug Worthington and, you know, we we've had Jam- um, Jamal who on here. Yeah. Uh, we've got, just had Sean, you know, Ben Hartsock. Uh, yep. These guys who played, played with Trestle, are just, they just seem to be such, and not to, again, not to criticize anybody else because I think all of our guests have been absolutely awesome, but they're just such great people. Uh, you, you know, when you talk to them and they do so much uh, for the youth in the community and, and uh, you know, youth athletics and, and, you know, of course, like Sean said, uh, you know, with his church now. So just uh, amazing people. They love him. Yeah. They,
0: they, they absolutely love him. And, you know, you kind of get the same thing from the old timers who played for Woody Hayes. Yeah. They will defend him. No matter what, um, because of that that love that they have for him. And it's it's because of what he showed showed and shared them. Now he, you know, Woody had a tough love, but it was there, you know. Yep. And you know, there's I we've we've heard it. Trestle had he, Trestle had different people in place to show him the tough love on purpose yeah. because it wasn't in his personality, but he knew he needed it. You know, D'Antonio yeah. comes to mind as someone who would kick your butt. He,
1: he could be uh, a little intense.
0: Yeah, so you know, Jim. Jim knew what he was doing, man. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Donald says Tressel was more of a father than a football coach. It shows in his players. Yeah,
1: I he was pretty. That.
0: He was a pretty doggone good football coach too. What well,
1: wasn't too bad with those X's and O's.
0: Yeah, you know, that came from his daddy. You know, his dad was a yeah. a legendary uh, Division three football coach in the state of Ohio. Uh, um, Modern Wallace, right? Yeah, you know yeah. who who who. um was a teacher because he they didn't pay the football coach you know and he had like no recruiting uh uh budget or at all and he he lived it you know day and night and 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 jim's story of growing up in that atmosphere is just incredible story i i hope that would be my dream is to have jim tressel on the show one time wouldn't that be amazing yeah all right guys let's get into tonight's topic this one i actually wrote about this in the Scarlet and Game site this week, Amir Reap is back in college football, Chris. He, he, um, whoa, not sure what that is. Hold on a second. My computer just started playing an ad all of a sudden uh, on one of the windows I had open. My apologies. Uh, Amir Reap is back in college football, yeah. and uh, he's playing for Lincoln University in Oakland, California. It is not an NCAA team yet. They will be. They have to you know, get their eligibility. It's a relatively new um, athletic department for that school, and so they're just kind of working their way through it. I think they have eight FCS games this year, and they have three against Division three or two opponents and then one against the NAI school. So mm-hmm. he's playing college football again, which is great. Um, let's back it up a little bit. If you're not familiar with the Amir Reap story, Amir along with uh Went. Went. Uh yeah. it started with a J. I can't remember his first yeah. name. Jason Went or Jalen Went, something like that, uh, were um were charged with rape um and, and kidnapping, kidnapping. And kidnapping. And this was back, I believe, in 2019. It was right before COVID hit. Ryan Day um immediately um, without hesitation removed them from the football program immediately and because of COVID and things their case dragged on and this past January both of them were found not guilty we live in a society today and this is kind of a I want to really dig into this and I really want all of you who are watching and listening right now to participate in this in this discussion because I think it's really important in the day and age that we live we have such an immediate reaction in our society to things we are judged in the court of public opinion before the evidence ever comes out on so many things so my question is this hindsight being 2020 obviously Did Ryan Day make the right decision here, Chris, for these young men?
1: Well, here's the thing, Eric, and I'm going to put my personal beliefs aside. I believe what Day did was what he needed to do given the current social climate. Now, I know that a person is innocent until proven guilty by law, but that isn't always the case, like you said, in the court of public opinion. Reap and Went had their day in court and it seems like the court system did the right thing by acquitting these guys based on a lack of evidence. Um, some, some people may feel, and, and I'm heard, sure you read about it, that there was an emergence of the video where um, the complainant appears to be given consent to reap following the incident. And some people might think that that brings Day's decision into question. I don't necessarily, and this is why. Ryan Day was trying to protect the program. And the video which cleared these guys probably had, I saw, three major flaws with it. One, the video, in the video, the visibility is very dark. It's, it's difficult to see, which I think could put question on whether or not it was actually the woman in you know who was the complainant. Secondly, the woman's crying. Why? And then third, the video is taken after the alleged incident. So according to the law and the university guidelines following sexual misconduct, consent must be given prior to the overt act. So with her crying during the video and the video being taken after the act, was it something that could have been a coerced consent? You know, you you never know. Uh, Again, I'm not saying it was or it wasn't, but I believe there was grounds for question, so Day had to do what he felt was best to protect the program. I also think we have to look at the social climate at the time. I mean, at that time, we were right at the height of this whole Me Too movement that was going on. Uh, You know, anyone accused of any charge related to an accusation of sexual impropriety was just food for protesters, press, and politicians seeking to hitch their way, you know, hitch their name to the wagon and, and make a name for themselves. Uh, and this isn't me criticizing you know women or belittling the cause or the severity of the issue of sexual misconduct. It's not that at all. I'm just simply stating that given that social climate of the time, I think what had to be done was these guys be removed from the team. Had they not been removed, had they not taken them off the team, it would have been open season on the university on the team. On these guys, we would have had protesters and, and politicians and media there with their little vagina hats on, you know, screaming and causing distraction before every every game, every practice, you know, possibly following these guys to class and protesting. You know, you don't know what was going on, you know, or what was capable of happening, and it could have taken the team and the the team, the university, and the kids involved all down with him. It really could have. So it could have been completely catastrophic for everyone involved had he not done this. So he did the right thing. He dismissed the players. He sheltered the team. And it's very sad that these two guys did lose, you know, their time on the team, that their names were drugged through all this, that even though they were acquitted, Eric, you and I both know, Again, given our social climate, given the court of public opinion, they may have been acquitted, but that doesn't always mean anything. And it's very unfortunate that this happened. Um, thankfully, Went did graduate and was given his diploma after being acquitted. Graduated in 2020, and uh, again, as you said, Amir Heap is going to get a second chance to play college athletics. Maybe not at the level he was at, but you know, maybe this opportunity you know, pans out for him and he's able to rebuild his life and rebuild his, his football career. I mean, the fact is, I mean, this is a kid that we were talking about as a potential starter before all this went down. So he's too deep.
0: He was on the too deep. He yeah. was at least
1: on the too deep. This is a guy who had NFL potential. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, he, he's, he's missed out on some time. We saw in the NFL with Sean Watson what he looked like after missing out on a year and a half of of playing time. Um, Hopefully Amir can uh, shake that that rust, get back out there, and uh, resume doing what he loves to do without uh, too much of a negative impact based on on this. But, uh, yeah, I I think this was more about protecting the program, protecting the university, given the social climate. because I have to think that that video, if they had it for the trial, they had it then. Sure, I, I'm sure Ryan Day saw the video, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I, I'm sure you've read the articles too, where uh, he, as well as, um, oh, the, the there was another defense player, uh, Farqua or McFar McFarquhar. I can't remember the the other player's name, who actually came out and said that the athletic department said. Before you engage in sexual conduct, make sure you're getting a video of consent just based on who you are and, and what you do. Um that's concerning to me. That they feel that A, they need to tell players this, and B, that the players actually have to do this to, to protect themselves. Uh, you know, like I said, this this takes this just is so much more than a simple legal case. This is just a, I think an indictment of the society we live in.
0: You bring up some good points. Now I was going to push back a little bit on you, but you bring up a couple good points that actually reminded me of a couple things that Ryan day was having to deal with. Number one, it wasn't that long ago that his mentor stepped down and it was based off of uh, abuse that was going on in his coaching staff. Um, uh, the accusation thereof, I should say. So you already had a climate of, um, of, of, um, mistrust, I guess is probably the, the word I would use there. Um, and then you had the, um, female masseuse that got in trouble. She was coming in, uh, um, I guess for the lack of better term, giving happy endings to the players that and they found that out and of course she was kicked out um so you had some you've you've had some things happening that Ryan Day probably thought I cannot let I, I can't let these things just take down the program and so I think you're right Chris in that he was being very protective of the program but that being said do you think he can maybe Remove them from the team without remove like without removing them completely from like the program and, and you know in totality.
1: Oh sure, because he could have put he could have put them on say a, a suspension.
0: He could have suspended them for
1: a while, they, you know, or they could have even worked out with the team, just not participated in games, um, or suspended them from the program without actually removing them from the program. But let, let's be honest, Eric. Even if they. Like I said, they were acquitted. They they were found not guilty. They they are innocent. I mean, that's called it, they they are innocent of these charges according to the legal system. I, I, However,
0: I have a I have a I have a I have yes. a soft spot in my heart for somebody who's been accused of something that they haven't done because I, I, I've, experienced oh, I that. I've experienced. I agree. I've experienced that, and there's nothing worse than people looking at you and thinking you've done something and you've done and you, you didn't do it. It's not in your character. It's not who you are, but because they hear it, they think that's who you are. Right. And I just don't want us to get to a place, you know, where it's like, ah, someone says, you know, God forbid, Kyle McCord did this. And now we're without a starting quarterback when he's done nothing of the such. Now you know, famously, famously speaking of Jim Trestle, Jim Trestle would say you guys need to be at home and in bed before eleven o'clock. You know, yeah. he was like, Nothing good happens after dark, boys. You guys get home. You know, he 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 was he preached that to them. And so I agree that there's you know, sometimes you put yourself in bad situations, bad things are gonna happen. I I get it. But I I, I I just don't like the idea of someone just making up an accusation and immediately you're gone guilt by court may or may not reflect the true situation. Larry says day had to err on the side of caution, considering the severity of the alleged offense.
1: I I, I kind of agree with that. Eric, and like I said, it's, it's not always about sadly what happened in court. And this is why I think Amir reap is going to benefit from not coming back to the Ohio state program is the fact is, You just mentioned it. Whether you did it or not, you are guilty until proven innocent in the court of public opinion. And it's wrong. But I also feel that REAP coming back as a member of the Ohio State program would have been a negative for the program. And I believe a negative for REAP, given the high profile nature of the program.
0: Let me ask this question. And I want to know your your opinion out there, those who are watching. Chris, submit your opinion real fast, and we'll try to do our, 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 our uh, third segment here in, in lightning blitz time. Maybe we'll just answer some questions. I don't know, because uh, I don't know we're gonna have enough time to talk about five recruits. But you, okay. So you're telling me now. Let's say uh, Amir. Now that we know what we know, would you welcome him back in the program? Now I know you kind of just said it's good that he didn't, but. Now that he's been acquitted, if there was a spot for him and he wanted to come back as a fan, would you welcome him back?
1: Yeah, I mean, if and this is, again, I'm trying to separate my opinion from what I think logically is the case. Sure. My opinion is he had his day in court. He was found innocent. He should be, if he wanted to, if he wanted to put that upon himself and be willing to take on that burden of playing at a high-profile university such as Ohio State with that hanging over his head, I think you should let him. Um, Like I said, the the courts found him not guilty. So I I believe in, in the judicial system. And I feel that if he was found not guilty, then the gate's closed. However, you know, you look at the same time, the court's found Deshaun Watson not guilty, and I think that we all know that, given the number of complaints, that it's likely that at least something bad happened.
0: Um, Deshaun settled out of court. That that's different.
1: Well, no, he settled out of court on the civil charge a lot of the civil charges Mm -hmm. the criminal charges he was found not guilty so that being said not guilty doesn't always isn't always the equivalent of innocent
0: larry brings up another good point but better for him to find greener pastures without the microscope being upon yeah
1: which is my point exactly yeah
0: yeah okay yeah i agree with you because if he were to come back what's the whole story with him being back on the team was You know, you missed three years because, and you're now innocent, but what really happened? And I mean, there's going to be all of those type of questions where he maybe doesn't have to face that where he's at. He might get asked one time, you know, Right. but it'll probably be more on the lines of of like the story I wrote about having a second chance, a second opportunity to right or wrong, you know, things of that nature. Larry also says, Deshaun, very bad judgment. yes (laughs)
1: you said eric you you nothing good happens when you put yourself in bad situations
0: correct correct oh shoot um any questions you guys have for us throw them out there look i don't know if i'm gonna have time and we only got five minutes left chris i don't have time to talk about these five recruits but i guess what i do what i will do is i will wet everybody's whistle about the 2025 class in the state of ohio Heard a lot of chirping about how it's a really good class. I don't agree. Um, I think there are some very good players in the class. And here's the thing about the 2025 class that's very interesting is Ohio has two, if not three, top 20 quarterbacks in the country in that class. And so Ohio State's not going to have to go out of the state of Ohio to recruit a quarterback for 2025 and the buzz is, is that they want both of them in that class. They want to bring both in the last time I can recall. Maybe you can correct me, Chris. The last time I can recall that we had two top quarterback recruits from the state of Ohio was Justin Zwick and and Troy and Troy Smith. And Troy Smith was brought in more as an athlete, maybe wide receiver. And he ended up winning uh, the, the starting quarterback position, obviously, and one a Heisman. So, um, Donald Hoffer chimes in here. He says it should be up to the player to come back or not. If he does come back, he will be given an opportunity to compete for a spot, but one will not be given to him.
1: And I'm fine with that. That's fair. Yeah.
0: Larry says, I heard about a new offensive line coach. Yes. Uh, what's his name, Chris? We just brought him in this week. Um, he's from the NFL. Should oh, the, guy from real the real? Dolphins. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I can't. Uh,
0: uh Joe Joe fibon or Fibian? Joe fibbin I think is how. Yeah. how do you, I don't know. fibon maybe. I'm not really sure how that's pronounced, but uh, yeah, he's he's uh his background is in coaching offensive linemen.
1: <laughs> and he came on as an analyst, correct? I correct. Mean, yeah.
0: Correct. But here's the thing: I don't know if that's positive. Because yeah, if, we're if we're looking for help right like, now, Chris, I'm worried about this offensive line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This scares
0: me, man. I mean, I was worried about it in the spring. We, we, we got it. We got a little bit of help, but how good is that help really going to be? I mean, San Diego state in the mountain West versus the big 10. That's a big step up, man. And if he's better than what you've got now, ouch, where's the yeah. development? Um, we've got the offense. We're going to have a better defense. Everything's lining up. Two big questions, man, on offense. Can we find that quarterback to lead the team? And will that guy even be standing up by the end of the season with this offensive well, line?
1: And let me tell you, you, you talk about the offensive line. Let's remember, too, um, before our current uh, offensive line coach came in,
0: Justin Fry. Before
1: Justin came in. You know, we had Coach Stud. But mm-hmm. you talk about where's the development. Let's remember Coach Stud had a pretty rough last couple of seasons Ohio State health-wise. Yes, he did. Which he, definitely – You're feeling it. You're
0: feeling what he felt.
1: Yeah, that that <laughs> impact is going to be felt by the these guys in their development. I mean, you know, Kevin Wilson stepped up and, and right. helped with the line. And, and kudos to him for doing so. And I thought um, he did a great job. Yeah, but again, how much of that was him managing the the players who were already ready to be starters and doing a great job with that versus developing them? Somebody who's – I mean, not to say that Kevin Wilson's not more than capable. I mean, obviously, he taught tight ends the block, so he knows a little bit about blocking. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I think Kevin Wilson was more, like you said, a second offensive mind, a, a – Person to develop the tight ends and bring them into the passing game, whereas maybe these guys who are up there now, who would have normally been developed under Coach Stud, felt that effect of him not being out there to to actually coach them. So, yeah, it could be a matter of maybe the development slightly stunted. And maybe you know after a few games or, or after even summer ball, we may see the light just flick on for a few of them.
0: Well, I hope so. I mean, I lo- I love your positivity, but. I mean, I'm just going to be straight-up honest with all of you. I think this is the biggest weakness on this team.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt.
0: I mean, you you and I saw it, man. You cannot be a new quarterback and expected to lead a team as a new quarterback when you have less than 2.0 seconds to throw the football. Can't do it. Yeah. I don't yeah. care if you're Joe Montana. It's, it's – I mean, my gosh – Tom Brady given all of his accolades in the NFL if he only had 2.0 seconds to throw the dude would be bailing all the time he'd just be laying on the ground because he you knew he didn't he would always avoid the big hit you know by taking the sack and kind of going down and things you know and or throwing the ball away I mean his numbers would be putrid given that given those statistics and you and I sat there and counted it and it wasn't the same guy every time getting beat Chris no it no. was the every there was holes all over that line. It might be the defensive end getting through one play, the tackle the next play, both defensive ends on third down, a linebacker coming through on a blitz. Like there was a I mean, it was the there was holes all over the dam. And wherever you put your finger, another one was spewing out the next play. So this this worries me as a as a Buckeye fan. And I'll tell you right now. You know, right now there's a lot of optimism going into the season. As we come to a close of this show, there's a lot of optimism coming into the season. I am having to temper that optimism for myself. Yeah, um, I, I I, I, I'm worried.
1: I am too, and, and I'm wondering how much of how much of the season. I, seriously, we may have to drop the quarterback into a shotgun and just play all of our formations out of a shotgun with with this with this line.
0: It might not the, help.
1: It, it might, might not ha- help, but it might buy him an extra second. You know that, that's sad, but that that's just, I think, what it is.
0: This is why, in my opinion, I'm I'm speculating. This will be my last statement. This is why Marvin Harrison was moved to the slot. Oh, I agree. If we're gonna get our best player of the football, how are we gonna get it to him if we can't go out on long routes because he doesn't have time? You gotta put him in the slot. Yeah. I think that I think that might be the coach's answer to this issue. Um, we'll see. We'll see how they come out week one in Bloomington, Indiana. A lot of time between now and then—97 days to be exact, Chris. 97 days. 97. We're at Joey Bosa days until and the Nick kickoff Bosa of Ohio State. Or, and Nick Bosa, but I like Joey was. Joey was the he was he was number one. He was the first 97 to hit home right. Uh, we might we might have another one. Kenyatta Jackson's wearing number 97, and he's looking good right now, that's
1: a, too. That's been a pretty powerful jersey number.
0: That's been a good number, guys. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping in. We really do appreciate it. Hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. What's left of it? Enjoy your day tomorrow, everybody. We'll be back next week. we got another former Buckeye lined up. Don't want to jinx it again, but we got another former Buckeye lined up. This one, an offensive lineman. So we're going to be talking about the big boys up front. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun next week. So make sure you're back again next week, 8 o'clock here on YouTube and Facebook. Until next time, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen Hio with all your heart. Till next time, Chris. OH! I owe.